BoulderCast podcast is a product of BoulderCast.com. We are a dedicated team of meteorologists that provide weather forecasts, discussions, and analysis specific to Boulder County. If you want to receive email notifications for our posts, look for the subscribe button on our homepage. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at BoulderCast. If you have questions or comments, or would like to suggest a topic for future shows, message us at contact at BoulderCast.com. BoulderCast, a Boulder take on weather. Welcome to the BoulderCast Podcast. Your host, Andy, Ben, hello, and Matt. How's it going, guys? The same trio joining you for another week. Yep, no Joseph again. Yep. Yep, he's gonna be back next week. World Traveler. He'll be back on Sunday. Yep. You guys see his post? He said he was in China. Mainland China. He was on the mainland. Yeah, he said he went to the mainland China, Mm -hmm. and he hated it. We're going to have to ask him about the, wow. the time zone issue. Yeah, we'll have to have that definitely get clarified next yeah. week. Yeah, mm-hmm. because I have a feeling he knows a lot about it. Wow. Yeah, it'll be good to have him back for next week. Yeah, he should be back. And actually, next week we'll be going on a rafting trip on next Saturday. So. Looking forward to it. Yeah, so we're all going. I'm a little bit terrified, uh, to be completely honest. <laughs> well, There's nothing to be scared of. A little advice, just don't sit in the front seat. Will do. Are you going to take the front? I'm going to take it, unless someone else fights would, me for it. I'll sit behind you again. I think I, would, I sat behind you last time. I would think being in the back, you'd be just as vulnerable to falling out. Well, I think in the back, you have two of your feet into the raft. Oh, I see. In the front, you only have one foot. Oh, really? Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the front's definitely the place you don't want to sit if you're scared. I see. So, you can get your back seats claimed. <laughs> Will do. For you and Shannon. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Be but, fun. yeah, we should have two full rafts with our 13-person group. How many people fit in one raft? I can't um, remember. I think we... eight is the max. Yeah. Like but we, our... we had, like, five to seven. Yeah, and our, our picture last year, we had about... Six of us in our raft. Right. Plus but the then, guide, yeah. But then the other raft, I'm not sure how many we had, because we had never got a picture of that one. Right. <laughs> so hopefully all of us can join up again. We can save some pictures. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. What would you say the temperatures of the water are? That's a good question. Uh, I was actually looking today. It's not frigid. Yeah, I was looking today it's on the... 50s. The, yeah. Yeah. Okay. What was it? I was looking on the, um, looking at the discharge flows and trying to figure out, you know, was it above average compared yeah. to the median and like the oh, mean? Discharge. And it's a little bit above average, but it's pretty much close to average. Yeah. Um, it's about fifteen hundred cubic feet per second, right around the the Royal Gorge area, which yeah. is like where it's the height of the, of the uh, rafting. Okay. But I think I did see 50s, hmm. kind of temperature-wise. Nice random guess. <laughs> so no, but it's not that cold, really. Unless it's cold outside, then you're in trouble. Yeah. yeah. If we somehow get one of those days where it's 50s and 60s again, <laughs> that'll be cold. Yeah. Huh. It, it, it rained the last time we, we went. Like, it was like a brief thunder shower. And then yeah. 
Actually, no, it was pretty heavy because we were eating, we were eating the burgers at lunchtime, and it was like pouring. Uh, I don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> was it one of those days where you wait ten minutes and the weather changes? Yeah. Yeah. It was just I like remember a, it being really sunny. Yeah, it was just like a monsoon. Yeah. Quick storm moved through. Yeah. Yeah. Nineties. So. Typical day in the mountains. <laughs> but if we get a trough moving in or a hurricane over the Pacific. <laughs> we could be screwed <laughs> that is very true yeah I don't know what's going to happen yeah at, but it should be fun at, what, at one point we were thinking maybe California will get hit by a storm but um, at this point it's not looking like it so we'll talk about that later yeah that's a good point so what else been going on um well I, uh, in last week's podcast, I failed to mention, amongst all the things I've been busy doing, I participated in a triathlon, which, from what you guys have mentioned, uh, talked about that while I was gone, so I wanted to talk a little bit about that. It was up in Fort Collins. You could call it, you could call it a, uh, probably a beginner's triathlon. It was a flat bike ride a flat run and it was a relatively short swim but i did it so isn't there stipulations for a triathlon like certain distances yeah but they just didn't follow that or just because it was flat well this well this triathlon was a sprint so it's not it's not considered like a you know like a higher a higher class ranking triathlon okay. so so the swim was 450 meters which generally it's about 750 meters Dude. the bike ride nice or the, the cycling was about the same distance as a regular triathlon and so was the run it was so the, so cycling was 13.1 miles which is normal and the run was a 5k or 3.2 miles which is also normal. So really, it was just a swim that was abbreviated. Hmm. But it was by far the hardest part. The swim, yeah, yeah. It it actually took place in a in an Olympic sized pool. So you basically start on one corner of the pool and you snake through the lanes until you get to the other corner on the opposite side of the pool. And, and then you get out and you and you do your transition from swimming to cycling. Was it like a big mess of people in the in the pool? By the time I by the time I got oh was that the last thing? Well, so they they started based on what your number was. So if you're number one, you go first, and if you're number one hundred fifty, you go one hundred fiftieth. So mm-hmm. there was about one hundred fifty competitors in there, and I started I think one thirtieth. So is that based on awesomeness? Or? It's based. It's based on how you rated yourself as a swimmer oh. and how fast you believe you would go 450 meters. And since I didn't know, I automatically gave myself a really slow time mm. of, like, oh, okay. of like 30 minutes whenever okay. I completed the swim in like 12 and a half minutes, which is still considered slow compared to some of the faster swimmers, which completed it in six to seven minutes. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah. So even though I was still pretty slow, it was you know my number could have been higher. 
Was it tiring? Yes. Like the whole thing? The swim was by far the worst part. And then by the time I got onto the bike, I, I had some gummies to try and re-energize myself. <laughs> and I was, at that point, I was not feeling too well. So I just said, you know, forget the gummies. And I, I just got on the bike. Nice. And just went on. Gummy worms? They're, they're, they're these little energy gummies that are that are supposed gummies. to, you know, provide a little bit of extra energy for you. Uh. So, but I didn't need them. They have gummies for everything. Yeah. It's <laughs> like fat burning gummies. Yeah. Can you get gummies so you can brush your teeth? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> has, like, has like built in fluorine. Right. <laughs> yeah, but how's the weather? Perfect. That's what we really care about here. Yeah. Picture perfect. Yeah, what as day well was as you that? can imagine. The weather conditions in the pool. Well, was in... it was in an indoor pool. Yeah. <laughs> Mid-80s for the water? <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> Room temperature, air temperature. So, nice. yeah, no, nothing, nothing wrong there. And we started at about 8 o'clock. So, the temperatures outside were probably approaching 70 by the yeah. time I was out on the bike. Fairly typical. And then by the time we ended the run, we were well into the seventies, maybe approaching eighty. Because after the after the entire race was over, they had a they had a pool party at the Fort Collins Rec Center, and so we just hung out there and oh, cool. had some uh, had a pancake breakfast, which was nice. Wow. Yeah, it's way better than the Boulder Boulder. Yeah. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> what are you trying to say there? <laughs> well, it was it was good though. The I didn't really have an expectation for a time, but I ended up finishing it in an hour and a half. I ranked pretty low for the swim. And then the cycling, I was my strength, so I made up for it. And then the run was about the same. So I made up my time in both of those for my poor swim. Well, that's good. Yep. I mean, that's that's pretty impressive. For, yeah. You know, doing a triathlon, that's, that's hard to do. You know? That's something. I am a triathlete, my friends. Yes, you are. Yeah. You guys got to join me next time. No, you, you just got to go for a decathlon now. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> or maybe a marathon. <laughs> we'll see. Or how about an Ironman? Actually, I was uh, I was biking to work this week. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was like a Monday or Tuesday, but uh, there was someone that was getting ready to go on the bus. I guess they were catching the AB uh-huh. to go to the airport. Yeah. And one of their bags... Said Iron Man. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> That's a company, though. Oh, uh, okay. I was like, well, maybe they're actually an athlete, but I guess Right? Not. That's a company, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. They make, like, sunglasses and, like, uh, okay. sports apparel. Darn, I was thinking that was actually an athlete. What, what, if, what if it's a sponsor for, uh, for Iron Man competitions? Yes. Yeah, I could have been. Maybe they're sponsoring him. Yeah. Who knows? That's what I was hoping. Yeah. <laughs> He's awesome. <laughs> so, it was a pretty big bag. You'd say he has all he had all of his equipment in there and it looked pretty big, yeah. 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 Do you think he broke down his bike and put it in there? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. What have you been up to, Ben? Well, last weekend we played some soccer. 
And that was, that was the cool. highlight. That was fun. That was fun. I couldn't get past any of the defenders. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> well, that's too bad. They double team you, or was it usually one on one? Just good defense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll have to play again. I want to play. You should join us. I'd love to play. Just pretty yeah. fun. Play. We need we need more players because the last time was only three of us. So it was like one goalie and then it was one versus one. Oh, really? One on one with the goalie. <laughs> oh, nice. Still, hey. It still was actually really fun. Yeah. But before we had two on two with no goalies. So I'm guessing... Uh, yeah, we could have had six people. Yeah. Yeah, we could have two on two with two goalies. That'd be awesome. Yeah. So when you play, I'm guessing when you play, uh, when you play one on one, whoever's playing defense, when he gets possession of the ball, does he have to take it back and yep. then? Yeah, exactly. Gain offensive possession. You take it back out the half court or whatever, and yeah. switch, and then kind of like in basketball. Yeah, yeah, pretty much the same. Same rules apply. Came, came up with that random rule. <laughs> Very good. Well, Joseph yeah. plays too, so. He could join us. Yep, he's yeah. played before. He's played, yeah. yeah. And we were gonna, we were gonna play soccer at like three or four o'clock on Saturday, but it turned out it started raining, like right around four. Uh oh. There was a so a pretty good storm cell that went right over North Boulder. Yeah. So we waited and watched watched some TV, or we did something. I think we just our chatted the rain or chatted or yeah. We just sat in the porch. So where's the field? Um, we were just playing at a random park. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, we could switch up the location next time. Nice to a better park. There yeah. might be a little. Maybe there'll be some other people that'll come and join. Yeah. My neighborhood's kind of families with little kids. <laughs> I think we can muster something up. Yeah, we'll get, we'll get together. Be, but that was fun. It'd be nice if we could play at the uh, Pleasant View Fields, but. Not likely. They're not open for the public. Oh, are they not? I don't think so. I think they okay. close them off. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah, but that's a really nice field. Though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We were playing. There was all these little kids playing on this playground, mm-hmm. like next to us, and just uh, the other guy, Tim, kept launching the ball, and or was Andy. Somebody just kept launching, and they're like flying over little kids and like barely missing their heads. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't me. <laughs> I don't know who that was, but they almost nailed that one kid. but yeah it was so yeah it was fun I miss playing goalie that was my position back in the day yeah goalie's fun yeah and yeah otherwise not too much going on cool yeah we went for a 20 mile bike ride whoa it's nothing for a triathlete (laughs) (laughs) technically I only I only rode 13 miles so but I yeah 20's not bad I forget what day that was. I don't know. That was the same day we played soccer. <laughs> it was like 85, 89 that day, I think. It wasn't where'd too hot. You, where'd you guys go? Um, we met on J in Diagonal, so we catched the, um, went north on 63rd, and then caught the... On the Lobo Trail. Caught, yeah, caught the Long oh, yeah, to Boulder yeah. Trail, which oh, is cool. the Lobo Trail. A Lobo. <laughs> a Sounds Lobo? pretty funny. Yeah. I think someone from Longmont made the name. Oh. Otherwise, it would have been the sense. Bolo Trail. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a, that's a low blow. <laughs> Sorry, Longmont. So, uh, yeah, you take that north to Niwot Road. Yeah. And then you go all the way west until you reach 36. And then it's a brutal hill. 
as you go more west. <laughs> really? Oh yeah, yeah. It's just like it keeps getting gradually more uphill as you go towards the foothills, and then it was fun. Yeah. So, so I suppose you're ready for the Tour de France by now. <laughs> <laughs> you guys been watching that? I have. Yeah. Yeah, I watch it every day at work. <laughs> it's on the big screen. Oh, really? <laughs> on like the big ten foot TV. Oh, nice. No, that's but it's not live, so it's not even exciting, really. Yeah. That's embarrassing. I didn't even know if it was, I didn't even know it was on. Oh, <laughs> I watched it at lunch. <laughs> yeah, I, I get a I get a sneak peek of it before I go to work every morning. Oh man. Yeah, I usually catch the end of it because it end starts of the live like, so The live, yeah. Oh yeah, the live broadcast. It usually starts at uh, at four or five in the morning, and then they and then they end about four to five hours later, depending on how long the stage is. So. Mm. At, it's around nine o'clock. I usually catch it, and it's you know it's either near the end or the end, and they're just talking. So, yeah, those hills are brutal. I always had a question about that, sure. about the Tour de France. Like when they start the next day, the next wave the yeah. next day. Like how do they resume? Like where everyone is, in like like which place they're in. And... So what the way it works is. So, they they basically add up the time of each racer for every single stage. So, so yeah. racer. So basically, hypothetically, racer. Let's say racer one has a time of an hour after stage one, and racer two has a time of fifty five minutes after stage one. Well, they start off stage two, where state where racer one is five minutes behind racer two and so from stage to stage the the cyclists they make up time or lose time from mm -hmm. one stage to the next so every day they start out in this big cluster almost all of them they do yes there there are probably not the last one there are stages where they all start off in a cluster but then there's one or two stages where they have time trials where it's all individualized mm-hmm where each each racer starts off on their own and they end on their own, and so they're not so there's no drafting allowed. It's it's all based on your on your personal skill. So and and what your time is at the end, it's added to your to your other times, and and it goes on like that. And they also have a different time of type of time trial called a, a team time trial. And that was actually held this past weekend where each team of cyclists race against the other teams and whatever their total time is as a team, each member of that team gets the same time added to their individual time. So, hmm. yeah, a bunch of different things going on. Trying to mix it up. Yeah. Is that just a boring race? They're trying to make it exciting for, <laughs> for us here in the United States, I think. And for other viewers across the world. That's good to know. Yeah. Mm hmm So if you ever want to get into cycling, you know what to expect now. Actually the uh <laughs> the the US Pro Cycling Challenge is is coming up in the next few weeks and it takes place here in this in the great state of Colorado. And it's seven stages. So yeah. They'll be they'll be climbing a bunch of the mountains here in the Rockies. And they they come through Boulder, right? 
They do come through Boulder. The final stage usually ends in Denver, if I'm not mistaken. And they, they, yeah. And so usually on that, mm-hmm. on the seventh and final stage, I think they start out in, in, in Boulder, and I think they go through Golden, and then they make their way eastward towards downtown Denver, and that's where the end of the entire race is. So, good stuff. I should probably go and cheer them on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I never actually did watch it when it, probably, it came by the last few years. I don't know what the route is, but they probably do a decent lap through Boulder. Yeah, I would imagine. Down Broadway. And, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Oh, yeah. I, uh, not to get off topic or anything, but I saw Jurassic World. There's no off topic here. Pa- it's true. <laughs> <laughs> I saw Jurassic World this past weekend. Uh, yeah, I know. I yeah. wanted to go see that. Yeah. Good one. It was as good as they say? Absolutely. It's definitely worth seeing in the movie theaters for all of you who are listening. Definitely recommend. It's got the Steiner seal of approval. It does. <laughs> That's better than a Rotten Tomato, 95%. That's right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or equivalent, at least. <laughs> All right, yeah, I gotta check it out. Take, I didn't want to see that one. Take my word for it. Should be coming to Redbox soon, though, so maybe I'll wait. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get excited about movies like most people. And well, it's hard. Net- to... Netflix in six months. That's yeah. true. Redbox it's... in three months, Netflix in six. <laughs> it's hard to get motivated for a $15 movie these days yeah, compared really. to the $5 that they used to cost yeah. years ago. Or an $8 Netflix monthly subscription. Ah. <laughs> I, I don't know. I just don't get excited about movies. Yeah. So they come to Redbox, then I'll be like, wow, they got they finally got that movie. I'll go pay a dollar. Yeah. And watch it in my own home where I can That's make right. my 50 cent popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> and that dollar two liter soda that I'm going to drink throughout the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or Bailey's. Or... Yeah, or Bailey's, yeah. You know it. Combination. Yeah, I haven't been doing too much else. How's it going at Noah? It's okay. It's okay. Still getting my feet wet. I haven't gotten access to the supercomputers yet. So I really haven't done much for the first month and a half. Next week, though, I should have Woo-woo. I should have access. So I'll probably have more demands to get stuff done. You hear this? Government takes more than almost two months to get their employees set up with actual computer accounts. It was the same way last summer when I volunteered for NWS. That's government timeline, folks. Yeah. It <laughs> Tax t- money. I would say it took me roughly two to three weeks to get everything established, get my own account into their computers and the uh, and the WFO, the weather forecast office in Boulder. So, yeah. Uh, I'm government. telling you, when I used to work there like four years ago, it was quick. Was it? No way. It took me a month. To get a well, like a badge, I, I think it was two weeks. I had my own badge. I had like a reserved parking spot in the front door. Well, I was kidding about that one, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, what happened this time is they had um, oh the mm. hacking incident that hacked into the oh right. into the system that does these background checks. Yeah, and so they that, basically closed down the whole background check thing. And so, so what so country yeah, right. was, was responsible for that? I heard maybe China, but I'm not sure. Okay. China wants to know his information. Uh-oh. <laughs> Joseph, so, get the details for this. <laughs> While you're there. <laughs> so, so I was in the system, 
<laughs> during when that was the hacking took place. So they basically shut it all down until they can figure out how it got hacked. And right. So it won't be at least till mid-August. Oh man! Until it's back up. So I have a temporary this badge. This is crazy. <laughs> so every day I have to go in and sign. You know, sign in every day, which is not that bad, but it's kind of an annoyance because I can go if I bike in, then I have to walk all the way around to the front entrance as opposed to going into the side. Why do you have to walk? That's true. I could bike, but I like the uh, I like the bike racks on the side. Why? Because they're closer to the exit. Uh, and they're in the shade, and I don't know. I mean, yeah, they are nice. <laughs> There's a lot of bike racks by the main entrance. That's true. So we're gonna we decided to change around the outline just a little bit, okay, to keep our readers, our listeners, well in tuned to the weather. So, yeah. so we're we're gonna continue the theme with talking about what happened the previous week with the weather, and let's take it away, guys. Sounds what, good. What happened this last week? Well, we were, this past weekend, we were talking about a ridge settling over us and uh, providing us with uh, dry weather for Saturday and Sunday. And as it turned out on Saturday, didn't quite go as planned, according to our forecasts. But it was, but again, it, it's, it's a pretty difficult forecast out here in the in the front range at this time of the year because sometimes the models are just not quite as reliable as you as you hope they are so yeah so we expect this saturday to be really dry mm-hmm. and yeah we got rain <laughs> <laughs> but not much rain yeah i mean it really wasn't that off in of my forecast the storms were really isolated they were really high base they, yeah they barely dropped any rain right um if I can remember right, <laughs> they were they were they looked pretty numerous in the mountains, but you know, I couldn't tell. But well, I remember. I just remember the last podcast. Mm-hmm. I was thinking that was going to be the best day to hike a fourteener. <laughs> that was not true, right? Yeah, because actually the action got started early. Those days, yeah, there were storms were building ten thirty, and then we got our rain in Boulder. I don't know. Like I think it was four, late. four or five. It was later yeah. in the afternoon. Yeah. yeah, I went right before soccer. Yeah, I saw <laughs> I saw Jurassic World. I think starting at uh, four thirty or so, and um, and we before the movie even started, I looked at the skies and I thought, oh man, our forecast isn't going to confirm. <laughs> <laughs> and and so I figured it's you know going to rain at least a little bit, and then. After the movie, I, I came out. It was about seven o'clock, seven thirty, and it was the perfectly clear skies. So I was just hoping it didn't rain, but in the end, it did. Yeah, just a sprinkle or storm. <laughs> what? It still counts. <laughs> yep, that actually kept our streak going. Yeah. So what do you guys? What do you guys think was the reason why Saturday was rainier than Sunday, which was? Last week, obviously. Well, I guess there was more moisture. I guess the monsoon was a little bit more active than the models were predicting. Yeah, I mean, if I remember, the models were showing that ridge sliding over us from Texas. 
mm-hmm. that day, which would have moved us to more straight westerly downslope. Yeah. But actually, the ridge didn't move in quite that fast, and what kept us with some southwesterly flow. But, I mean, that would have helped it a little bit. Yeah, that would have. Yeah. But, but it would still provide, it would certainly still provide some, uh, some mid-level moisture coming, coming from the Pacific Ocean, so. Yeah, it probably kept mm-hmm. this a little, the upper temperatures a little bit cooler. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Instead of capping everything a little bit, but. Yeah. Like Sunday. Yeah, like Sunday, exactly. <laughs> which also rained. <laughs> it did, yeah. I for, it was, I can't remember how much. Much less than Saturday. But well, I was at I was at the Rockies game on Sunday, and it was in the in the stadium. It was scorching hot, which it usually is a little bit warmer inside than it is outside the stadium. But I saw I saw clouds to our north. I saw clouds to our south. But the most ominous clouds I saw were well to our south, probably near Colorado Springs, Castle Rock, down in that area. So I figured. So I figured maybe they got some showers, but I I wasn't sure if you guys to the north got showers. So but at the stadium we we didn't get anything. I mean we we were dry, we were hot, it was kind of uncomfortable. Well she had a good game. Oh yeah. Rockies won, but my <laughs> my Atlanta Braves lost. And didn't just lose, we got swept. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah. They lost to a really good team. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, actually, Sunday was dry. Okay. It was the only one, the second dry day this month. Oh, wow. Wow. We got 15 rainy days and two dry days. Oh, my goodness. But, yeah. But, yeah, Sunday was 95 degrees. Yeah, it was pretty warm on Sunday. We were expecting that, too. I mean, we, we figured it would get pretty hot. Sunday was going to be the hottest day in the weekend. Yeah. It turned out to be true. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> so that ridge actually, I guess, was just a little delayed mm-hmm. coming in on Sunday. Right. Yeah. I think that's the best explanation. Because mm-hmm. there wasn't any large forcing in the atmosphere. No. To really push it. Yeah. Yeah. But then moving into into the work week, it was what? a solid week of monsoon. Yeah, that yeah. ridge kind of went back to Texas. <laughs> yeah, and we and we moved back into that into that monsoonal regime that we've been experiencing. Yeah, I was actually really impressed with this week looking at the radar, like mm-hmm. every day around five o'clock. Yeah, like the whole western part of the country was just. Monsoon, like up into Montana and Hmm. down through Arizona and New Mexico, and of course not California (laughs) or Oregon or California. (laughs) But yeah, it's just too bad they can't get any. (laughs) They can't catch a break. But I haven't heard a whole lot about wildfires this summer out there. Uh, Do you know if they've been a major concern? Um, no, I don't know. No news is good news. It could be that there's just no lightning strikes to start the fires. That's very true. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's no even chance of right. convection or anything. Right. I don't know. That's true. That's true. Because, yeah. 
I'm not sure. I know there's one fire currently burning in Colorado. Where it's is it? Somewhere in the northwest corner. That's the kind of the part of the state that's been the driest. Mm-hmm. Out of all, all of Colorado has been the northwest corner. Yeah. And I think it was like 500 and some acres were burning, which is a lot. Yeah. But nothing compared to yeah. what we've seen in 2012 or... Yeah, exactly. 2011, yeah. yeah, it was... Yeah. I think 2013 got, in, got into the action a little bit, but definitely not as much as 2012. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that was the only fire that I could find in Colorado when I was looking. Wow. So, so far this year, it was bigger than, like, hmm. a small brush fire. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that has been... Hmm. So what? Yep. Yeah. We've really made out well, but yeah, this week we had the monsoon... Mm-hmm. Pretty much solid southwesterly flow at 500 millibars. So how are we looking for the month up to this point? As far as? To, for uh, rainfall total oh. the entire month. Um, well, the official NWS site's right around um, 2.6 inches. Okay, so that sounds above average. So yeah, the average is only 1.75 or so, so mm-hmm. we're already past that yeah two more weeks left in july oh man <laughs> so yeah the mo- we did pretty good in monsoon moisture this week we got rain every day but overall we didn't get that much moisture yeah except for south boulder on wednesday on wednesday yeah. no was it tuesday wednesday oh yeah it was one tuesday, yes wednesday yeah. yeah yeah so yeah there was yeah i think a pretty good sell yeah, there was, what, Tuesday, there was, like, a ton of storms, like, like all around Boulder, but just not in Boulder. Yeah, so that was the That's day we, the day was looking like the best chance of rain. I thought they were going to put out a flood watch right. yeah. for parts of the front range, but they never did, and I didn't hear about any flooding. Yeah, and Monday, I was, I was at Stasio Fields at, mm-hmm. in, in Boulder, and... You know, I, I expected some storms to form and everything, but I wasn't anticipating quite the soaking that I got at the fields, at least. And from what you guys have said to me previously is that you didn't, you guys didn't think it rained all that much where you guys were located, but at the at the at the softball fields, we got a pretty decent soaking. I'd probably say anywhere from a quarter inch to a half an inch of of rain while I was there. What day? That was on Monday of this week. Oh, okay. And it, yeah, we got only got zero point one two inches. They had to cancel. Border cast. They had to cancel the game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it must have been one of those cells that got, right. that blew up in East Boulder. Just very isolated, and then moved on eastward. Because mm-hmm. I just remember every day this week. Right around 4 o'clock, I was getting ready to leave work, and it started raining. Yeah. And I was like, I'm going to wait till it's done raining. Yeah. And then it rains for like 15, 20 minutes, and then it's done. And I go outside, and I'm walking to the bus stop, and I turn around, and there's a rainbow every day. <laughs> God, but, God bless Colorado. I know. And then the road's dry, and I get to the bus stop, and I can sit in the bench, and it's already dry. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, it was... Pretty similar every yeah. day. You get your daily pictures of rainbows here in Colorado, folks. <laughs> yeah, well, I, yeah. I saw one definitely Monday and Wednesday. And we saw one on Saturday when we were playing soccer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's like every day. I know, yeah. It Never is. disappoints. 
Never does. Nope. But, yeah, Saturday, or Sunday at 95 degrees was only our third 90-degree day of the month. Huh. Pretty surprising for July. Yeah, I know. We've had a lot of 80s. Near 90, but not quite. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, usually... But, yeah, it's pretty average temperatures, kind of seasonal. Mm-hmm. Except for that one week in the 60s. Oh, boy. <laughs> but, yeah, this week we had pretty much mid to upper 80s every day. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, going back to that storm on Wednesday. Uh-huh. Um, oh, yeah. I know, like, portions of maybe Boulder County didn't get a whole lot of rain. Mm-hmm. But, like, where okay. NOAA is and, like, where the NCAR Mesa Lab is, like, up in South Boulder, they got close to just a little bit under an inch of rain out of that storm. So. Wow. So it was a pretty good rain producer. I was in less than an hour, too. I would say at the CU campus, we got a pretty decent soaking. I'm not sure if we received an inch of rain. I think it was about 0.4. Yeah. Don't you buy Skywatch? Right. (laughs) Which got like 0.3, and you have to correct theirs. (laughs) Skywatch is the official weather station on top of the Dwayne Physics Building on CU's campus. Yeah. (laughs) And it's, yeah. Dwayne Physics Building is where my office is located for where where I do research. So, yeah, it's good. It's good to check on Skywatch every now and then. So, yeah, sometimes it's good. Yeah, but that was that was an impressive storm. I was actually, I mean, my office doesn't have a window, so my <laughs> colleague came by. He's like, "Did you see the storm coming?" And I'm like, "No, I can't." <laughs> he's like, "Did you see that through the walls?" <laughs> what do you mean on radar? Radar, I looked yeah. at the oh. ceiling and I saw some drips <laughs> and I knew I, that two inches had fallen. <laughs> but I don't know if you guys can sense this as well, but like he said, he could smell the smell of the rain inside the building. Like the... It's possible, the, yeah. The smell was coming through the vents or something. Yeah. I can yeah. see and that. I actually... I started smelling it too after he yeah. mentioned it. I don't know. But I don't know if it's just my brain, you know, making me... I mean, it makes sense. They're the, the kind of building like that's really well ventilated. I mean, I mean, it seems possible. Yeah, absolutely. There'll be lots yeah. of circulating air in there. Oh, I remember. I remember my days in Alabama. I mean, I I knew when it was going to rain based on how it smelled outside, and you know how how humid it was. I mean, the air. Some when the when the air just gets really suspended, and then that air gets infected right into your face. And it has it has this specific scent that isn't isn't very nice. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's like reminds me of like playing at the Stasio Fields. You can smell the um, the you know the the dump that's next oh that's door. right yeah. <laughs> and, and all this time I thought it was <laughs> the just, sewage plant. It, yeah. It's a sewage plant just to the east of the fields. Okay. Anytime and, there's easterly wind. And all this time, I thought it was Greeley. <laughs> uh, don't blame Greeley for Boulder's problems. I'm sorry. <laughs> Greeley gets a bad rap as it is. I know. <laughs> for all their winter snowstorm predictions. <laughs> oh, well. So, anything else happened this week, this past week? Um, Those have been the two major themes, I would say. Yeah, I would just say that the listeners should be cautious for monsoon flooding. Right? Because when 
I wrote an article about this, but basically the upper air winds in the Colorado region relax in August. So anytime you get a, a good monsoon storm, the, you know, the steering flow is going to be really weak. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and it, you can get a lot of rain from one cell not moving and just training. Just, yeah. So that's why I was looking at the historical Colorado floods, and a lot of them, there's actually a peak in Colorado flooding in late July and early August. Mm-hmm. Right. It's, it's because of this overlap between the monsoon season and the weak steering flow. That so, would make yeah. That would make so sense. yeah. That makes a lot of like sense. Like the big Thompson flood was July thirty first. I remember that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There was a big flood in eighteen ninety four in Boulder, I think. There was actually another one in early May of nineteen sixty nine that I actually did a case study on, with uh, in collaboration with the National Weather Service, and it all it also contained similar characteristics. Lots of. Lots of moisture, but a very again a very weak upper level flow, mm-hmm. where where the main where the main trough axis was, well was like to the southwest of the Front Range of Colorado, and it was basically affecting all that moisture around the the uh, the upper level low to the north, and by the time it the that moisture reached the Colorado Front Range, you, I mean. It, the the steering flow was pretty much little to nothing. So yeah, the steering flow is a big. It's a big, a big deal. factor. It's important. Yeah, mm-hmm. a lot of moisture, but mm-hmm. if the storms are moving thirty or forty miles an hour, you're not going to get yeah that much the, in the, one place. Yeah, the only difference between that case and the Big Thompson flood and the and the recent Colorado flood is that the temperatures were were pretty cool. They were hovering around mid to upper 50s maybe reaching 60 so the so the the moisture capacity and the the liquid water contents during that during that case were relatively low compared to other cases hmm. interesting mm-hmm. huh. hmm. so yeah that's not yeah that would just been like a spring storm huh with the pretty much cut off trough or something yeah or cut off mm-hmm. low yeah Huh. Boulder ended up getting about seven to eight inches out of that event, but mm. they got and you know and that nineteen fifty seven nineteen sixty nine and that and that does sound like a lot. I mean, it, for this area, it still is quite a bit, and it fell over over a three day period. But the interesting thing was there were, there wasn't much in the way of convective activity. It was just persistent rainfall. Where the average um, amount of rain per hour was probably about a tenth of an inch. So it wasn't like a true flash flood. No, I wouldn't call it a flash flood. Just like at a all. slow, just persistent <laughs> slow flood. Persistent light to moderate <laughs> rain the entire time due to due to uh, orographic lifting. Did you guys see how that NWS has instead of issuing a flood watch? And flash flood watch. They added another category called aerial flood watch. I've never heard of that. <laughs> I, yeah, I heard about it, but I don't know what it is. I think it's just to like stress to people that it's not a flash flood watch. Because remember, they used to have just flood watch and then flash right. flood watch. But now I think they might have wiped out flood watch altogether. Oh, really? I'm not sure. Or maybe just our region does it. 
<laughs> but like one day they had an aerial flood watch which basically was just saying you know it's going to be a slow storm it's going to be a long duration event yeah it's uh, going to be okay it's going to be something you're not have to like it's going to not going to like destroy your house in like two seconds you're gonna just have to like watch the water come up and slowly i don't know i thought it was good for like the public awareness but they've been doing a few things it's still a little ambiguous Mm -hmm. (laughs) i remember my days in in louisiana they the national weather service started issuing gale watches and usually they only issued gale warnings for the longest time for the Mm. coastal areas so they're starting to implement new terms yeah, here and there. somebody's thinking. That's good. <laughs> what do you guys think of the new NWS icons? I kind of like them, actually. Yeah, yeah. I, I like mean, they too. look spiffy. Yeah, they look nice. Must admit, yeah. But I think it's harder to like glance and see what's going on, in a sense, because like they split every day in two and every night into two. And yeah. There's like a tiny little picture. Yeah. And like true. tiny little numbers. I don't know. That's true. That's true. But I guess if you're it's, someone it's, that doesn't know anything about the weather, yeah, and you see I like, agree. oh, okay, I can go out in the morning. Don't go out in the afternoon because there'll be storms or something. <laughs> yeah, very true. Yeah, I think it's good in that sense. But, but if you live in Colorado, you know that if it says twenty percent chance of rain this day, it's not going to be it before noon, probably. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I agree. It's it's. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's just overly complicating things. But the pictures are nice. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. They're like high resolution now. I I love the mostly sunny, the blue sky is like so blue. Oh, yeah. It's like like cobalt. There's like so much Rayleigh scattering in that picture. (laughs) I can't wait till we we get to like the winter and get to see the the new windmill icon. I know. (laughs) It's going to be like a high res one from NREL. I know. Well, I saw one, I don't know if it was Boulder, it was some other city, but it had like a picture of um, what you have at like a, an airport where it's like measuring the wind, mm-hmm. but it's just like a little, like a cone or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that what it is? What? The new wind. Oh. It was like an orange thing that was just like blowing. Oh, that's a windsock, right? That? Yeah, is that what, is that what the new one is? I don't know, I haven't seen that. I haven't seen it either. I saw it. It was mixed in. Oh. I don't know what city. Oh, that's was. lame. I want to see windmills. <laughs> <laughs> but you guys have anything else for this week or the recap? No, nothing, not really. Nothing I, else. I was just gonna briefly recap, recap about the tropical update. Oh yeah. Um, that we that we saw from uh, the Atlantic and give us the big news. Currently in the Pacific. So in the Atlantic, I. Of course, last week I mentioned that we were only going to see eight named storms with three of them being hurricanes and my bold prediction of zero major hurricanes. Well, earlier this week we went from having two named storms for the season to three. Tropical storm Claudette formed out in the Atlantic Ocean and it harmlessly moved off to the north-northeast into cooler waters and prevailed for I'd say about two days before it dissipated <laughs> and died as it moved over cooler waters and lost. Its... Didn't it go into Newfoundland? I'd have to double check that, but I don't know if it if it went into Newfoundland as a tropical stormer. Oh uh, no, definitely not. Yeah, I mean I think just the remnants. It was probably yeah, it was probably well after 
the the official named storm. I remember looking at the satellite or the infrared image. No, it was invisible. You can see like all the tops got blown off. Yeah. Blown to the east. And just, you can see the low level swirl. Yeah. <laughs> and like the sea. I don't yeah, know, the yeah. Fog. All the all the convection was getting was getting sheared off to the north of the low level circulation. And you and and that's the amazing thing about these things is that the convection will be displaced from the low level circulation and you can see that low level circulation spinning and it looks it can look pretty nice at times, even for weak tropical storms. Yeah, it did look pretty cool. Yeah. It was, like, really organized in there. Mm-hmm. And you should find it if you didn't see it. Yeah, it was nice. I didn't but, see it, no. But it was a weakling. It was it was never going to turn into anything. I mean, the, the wind shear was just too strong. I, I, was, I was impressed that the conditions were even favorable for development. But once, once the... Once Claudette turned into a named storm, it was pretty much doomed to failure after that. So that was probably an old cold front, right? Yeah. I mean, it probably wasn't a tropical wave. That was pretty far north. Yeah. I don't know. What what led to that forming? Um, I'd, I'd have to double check, but usually during this during this time of the year, it's usually what we see is the is some energy coming off from the tail end of a. Of a of a remnant front yeah, that has some dissipated. Kind of stationary boundary. Yeah, and and some convection some convection is formed from that that energy and and usually with convection over the oceans you eventually get a spin up. And yeah. so that's probably what we saw in this case. Okay. So and now out in the eastern <laughs> Pacific oh, we yeah. had Dolores. Real action. Which is still a hurricane as we speak. It's a Category Two storm, but it was a very intense hurricane at one point. Yeah, it was a solid Cat Four. Yeah, and at one point there were there were some thoughts that maybe just maybe it'll hit California, but since it has since uh, shown signs that it will not happen, so. Sorry, California. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was looking at the models like five or ten days back, and they were really inconsistent, but some of them were bringing them into California, having it being just absorbed into that trough and just shooting up across, you know. I wonder if there was some human bias that was put into the model. <laughs> it's like, somebody's going to really like this one. Yeah, I know. Let's just, let's just increase the water temperatures of the Pacific Ocean by 15 degrees. <laughs> yeah, but it was super inconsistent. Like, every run was showing something different. Of course, that was five or ten days out, so that makes sense. But yeah, but here we are. It doesn't seem to be making any chance at landing. No, it's going to harmlessly move out into the... It's into gonna... the colder waters of the Pacific. Another death, just uh, like Enrique. Yeah. <laughs> These poor storms. Right, you saw Hurricane Enrique? Um, I don't think so. Where was that one? That one was further to the west of okay. Dolores. They were oh, kind really? of next to each other. Okay. Enrique briefly was a hurricane, and then I think either it's gone now or it's still there. But Is it approaching Hawaii? No, it's not that far. Okay. It's just a little bit further west. I see. Must have formed after to get the E name, I guess. Yeah. But Had to have. Yeah, but it's it's getting into much colder waters. Yeah. It's probably a tropical storm, if not gone now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that one's even less concerning. Yep. So, uh, 
in terms of tropical activity affecting any land masses doesn't look like it at this point and i don't sorry california yeah sorry california (laughs) sorry colorado (laughs) we don't anticipate any further development over the next 48 hours so but we will keep you posted if that changes yeah that'll be good Mm -hmm. yeah and just briefly before we move on to the last section did you guys see the drought map that i posted on the Mm -hmm. site no no (laughs) you guys are you guys are great (laughs) no basically i posted a map of the drought classifications from last year at this time and then this year at this time Mm -hmm. oh yeah yeah. and yeah i saw that yeah i could actually show you right now but um yeah i was curious where you got that picture oh really of like this year and then three years ago or whatever it was it was one year ago but it turns out you can just go to this U.S. drop monitoring weather website run by the government. Oh, wow. Well, there you so, go. So, yeah, basically, last year at this time, southeast Colorado was in a horrible drought. <laughs> but with all the rain we got in this year, that's been completely annihilated. Not anymore. <laughs> Jeez. But, yeah, and then I just looked at the map today, and pretty much the entire state of Colorado is now drought-free. There's only like 2% of the state in a drought. And not even a drought, just dry, they call it. D0 classification. Huh. But yeah, so this they update this every week. So this okay. is last week's. But yeah, so yeah, we moved out of a drought That's in our great. state. And it only took a year. Well, yeah. Several years to get the front range back to normal. Exactly. Yeah. Or back on track, but southeast Colorado somehow in the year. It's crazy. Let's keep it that way. That was the worst drought you can have down there. But that, yeah. ex- that explains why you can get corn now for 12 years for $2. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I'll be getting some of that. Me too. <laughs> mm-hmm. $2 a dozen. That's crazy. It sprouts. <laughs> Everyone head out. Everyone go to Sprouts this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. That's all I had. Yeah. Cool. Um, we want to move. So what is our new strategy moving forward as far as our outlook? Or... Er, podcast format yeah so after we talk about what happened in the previous week in the weather we're gonna kind of discuss an interesting topic in the weather or something related to weather or um like last week um, matt talked about the tropical outlook and so it'll be a wide range of topics sometimes it'll be um a current research um study that's been done in, in the uh current field or something it'll be you know a prediction or something like that so yeah i mean i think we'll try to keep a lot of them centered on colorado or boulder or some way infecting our listeners yeah like today's topic is kind of important to everyone on earth yeah <laughs> essentially <laughs> but <laughs> but yeah we we'll try and keep it somewhat local yeah we'll keep it interesting for you yeah but maybe also give you some ideas some other places in the world and whatever's hot in the news yeah. But what do we got this week? Uh, this week, um, we're going to talk about how the solar cycle, which is um, um, an 11-year solar cycle from, from our own sun, um, how there's some speculation that the inactivity that we've seen and um, reduced solar activity may be going into a long period of 
um, reduced solar activity as we go into the next two decades, um, which would have some implications for um, the climate. But um, before we go into that, all right. <laughs> before we go into that, there's this. So the sun goes through an 11-year solar cycle, and that's you can understand how that variation happens by looking at um, sunspots. Okay. And there's these very dark regions of the sun, which are known as sunspots. And when you have more sunspots, that usually corresponds to a solar maximum phase. And when you have a reduced mm-hmm. amount of sunspots, um, can be known as a solar minimum year. And so from max... Um, from max to another max cycle is roughly 11 years to repeat that cycle. And it's actually pretty interesting that um, taking measurements of sunspots of the sun dates back to the early 1600s by um, Galileo, which first um, measured them um, using a telescope. Um, Amazing. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, so we have that really long record of sunspots pretty accurately. Yeah. So it's pretty, yeah, we can, so we know the variation of the sun for, you know, several hundred years. Um, but in terms of understanding how the impact of the sun influences the climate is still in its infancy. Um, it's a and good so, word. <laughs> and so, so wait, I have a few questions about sunspots. Are you going to okay. talk more about this? Yeah, go ahead. So how do they take sunspot measurements? Do they, they, do they factor out? They factor in the whole sphere you're because we can only see one side of the sun, right? You're saying when they take a picture of it? Well, how do they get these sunspot counts? Like right now, there's, say, 30 sunspots. Uh, so they have this satellite that's basically fixed on the sun. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually called the Solar and Heliospheric Observatory, but it basically sits there and observes the sun Every every day and just that's that's all it does. <laughs> nice. And so, but it only uh, sees one side of the sun, right? It only sees one side. How long does it take the sun to rotate around? Uh, it's a twenty-seven day period. Oh, okay. Wait, really? Twenty-seven day rotation. Twenty-seven days, and the sun goes all the way around, and we see a whole side of the sun. Yeah. So there is also a. Huh. So about a month. There's also a twenty-seven day solar solar cycle in addition to the eleven mm-hmm. year. Which you can observe that variation in the upper atmosphere as well, but the, for climate perspective, we're more interested in the eleven-year variation. Right. And if you're a fan of auroras, you like lots of sunspots. You want lots of sunspots, yeah. <laughs> so it's these sunspots that actually actually um, um, eject like a, a large amount of mass from the sun, and they can Is be that called, true? they can be called these coronal mass ejections. Um, I didn't think the sunspots were directly related to that. I thought they were just kind of a byproduct of an active sun. Yeah, I think you're right. Or do they actually stuff come out of the sunspots? I'm not sure. They're actually like, I think, indentations in the sun. So they have reduced... um, Maybe you're right then. But I'm not sure on that, actually. Okay. But another interesting fact is that um, a lot of people... Or at least I used to think before I got into the solar field, I used to think that more sunspots gave out more output, so more solar radiance. Mm-hmm. But it's actually, um, you also have, in solar max years, you have a lot of sunspots, but you also have a lot of, a lot of bright regions known as bright faculae, 
mm-hmm. and they are the, the ones responsible for producing more solar radiance. Because a sunspot, when they measure it, when it comes across solar disk, if it's in the um, periphery of the satellite, you'll actually see a large dip in the um, solar yeah. output. And so I just thought that was pretty interesting. Well, that is interesting. So yeah, the sunspots aren't doing the actual extra admission. They're just a byproduct, I, yeah. I think. Yeah. Something along those lines. Yeah. That's pretty cool. And so the variation of the, the sun over yeah. 11 years is due to the magnetic field of the sun. Um, and over an 11-year cycle, um, the variation of the solar of the total solar radiance, which is when you integrate um, the sun's output over all wavelengths, um, it only varies by 0.1%. <laughs> However, you compare it to all other sources of energy you for, know the about earth, that. for the Earth, <laughs> I know that, um, it, it dwarfs all the sources by four orders of magnitude, so it's pretty large. So that little tiny change in the sun's energy is actually one of the biggest changes Earth's can experience. Yeah. As yeah. far as energy, yeah. so it's really important. Yeah. And another question... Yeah, sure. Is the eleven-year cycle fire away like old faithful, where it, you know happens regularly every time, or is there some kind of periodic variation where you know, I would they, say it's they do some kind of Fourier transform on this, and it's <laughs> the, the average frequency is like yeah, eleven years, or is it sometimes the, like eight? Yeah, it's the average. Yeah. Oh, so it's not like eleven, like clockwork. I would almost kind of say it's sort of non-linear in some ways because it's it's not always eleven years. Sometimes it's a shorter cycle. Sometimes it's a longer cycle. Um, I mean, it's good that you bring that up because the previous solar minimum cycle, which we had mm-hmm. from 2007 to 2009, it lasted much longer than the previous solar min prior to mm-hmm. that. Wait, so, how long did it last? It lasted about a couple, um, I want to say, you know, not extremely longer, but maybe up to a year longer, possibly. And we had... When was it? Uh, 2007 to 2009. Okay. Okay. So and two like solid years? Pretty much all of 2008, there was not one sunspot seen. Wow. So it was very inactive during that period. I'm, I just remember being... <laughs> every time I went to Greenland and had a chance to see really good aurora, the sun was, like, really bad. There was, like, never any major yeah, ejections. Yeah. I mean, we had... You know, you pretty much see aurora every day. In the polar regions. Wow. Just, like, not really spectacular. But, like, if there's, like, a crazy storm, then it's just all kinds of colors. But I never really got to see anything that crazy. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, sun let me down. It was kind of transitioning out of the solar mint, I guess, when I was there in, like, 2011, 2012, 2013. Yeah. They actually say that the best time to get um, magnetic storms here on Earth is on the declining phase of the solar max years. Oh man, that was the complete opposite end. Then this was the <laughs> and, increasing phase. Of I don't did. know exactly why that is, but that makes sense because we're in the declining phase of a current solar max cycle. Mm-hmm. It was actually lower than the previous max in early 2000. But mm. just a few weeks ago, I remember there was a big magnetic storm that you could see here from Colorado. Yeah, and so that would make sense. I remember that. Yeah. It you was a big deal. It was on the news. Yeah, man. Surprise. The news likes to talk about kind of 
space-related things pretty crazily. Absolutely. It's like a really hot news topic. Yeah. Like the Pluto thing recently. Pluto, the moon. Yeah. This sun Venus. thing hasn't caught on yet. Not yet, I guess. Because one, one of my colleagues at work told me about this. She knows I know, like, I'm an atmospheric scientist or whatever, and she was like, did you hear about this sun thing? And I was like, no. <laughs> so, it must be getting out there. I guess so. She's a chemist, but... <laughs> So, that gives you the background of kind of how the sun varies. Um, and there was a recent paper, mm-hmm. um, I don't even know if I'm saying, I'll say his name right, but from Russia, his name is Professor Valentina Zarkova, I want to say. Good job. <laughs> That's a girl. Okay. And then, <laughs> it's, a, it's a woman. Okay. But ends it for the last name, ends yeah. And Ova. Ova. It's a girl. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, we're sorry about that, ma'am. So, <laughs> basically her study, um, she developed this new model of how the sun varies over the solar cycle. And she predicted um, a potential weakening um, strength of the sun's magnetic field and solar activity as we go into the year 2030. Um and so the way the model works is it kind of predicts changes in the interior of the sun and eventually the interior of the sun advects into the outer part of the of the sun. But um, she was predicting that um, the activity of the sun will actually fall about 60% by 2030 um, from where we are currently now. And that's actually similar to conditions during the Little Ice Age. Oh, wow. Which were back in 1645. Huh. What did you mean by 60% though? Like, we'll get 60% less irradiance? Wouldn't everyone die? No. <laughs> I don't think it's... That'd be like 400 watts? I don't know if it's... I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I don't think it's... I don't want to say it's irradiance. I don't uh, know. I mean, it couldn't be. You couldn't have 400 watts per meter squared. No. Instead of 1,300? <laughs> yeah, that, that'd be a significant drop-off. Was it, it 60 be, or 6? It might be something with the magnetic field. But then how you correlate that to irradiance, I'm not sure. I read this, and I, remember, I don't remember. But Interesting. But anyway, so that's basically similar to yes. what the sun was in during the modern minimum, which is 1645 to 1715, basically... In the late 17th century. Yeah. Um, Weren't those like the year that Europe never had summer or something and stuff? Yeah, it was known as like the Little Ice Age. And you That's could, right. You could skate on like a lot of the rivers and, <laughs> and lakes and stuff. There is some controversy though because I've been sort of in the solar field the past five years. That, that period also corresponded to um, some increased volcanic activity. Mm-hmm. Which would have led to a potential cooling of the climate. Um, so whether it's all due to the sun is still under investigation. Seems like it's true. Um, hey, we might have more volcanic activity in twenty thirty. That's yeah. very true. After that big <laughs> volcano last year. <laughs> so yeah. So currently we're in. So they count up the number of solar cycles we've been in basically since seventeen hundreds. Um, we're currently in solar cycle 24, um, and then the cycle 26 solar max will actually occur between 2030 and 2040. 
and but really what role the inactivity of the sun if it, if this if this actually happens that's um, my question what this will have <laughs> on earth's climate um is really a matter of debate and there's been a lot of kind of you know discussion so there's a solar conference going on in november which i have an invited talk for actually but there Ooh. there were some there were a lot of discussion in this email thread that i received this week talking about this paper and a lot of them questioning the validity of this paper and how they went about it and how they can actually predict an ice age because really our, our understanding of what the climate would do in a long period of inactivity we don't really know a lot about because we've only been measuring the sun from satellites basically since the late 1970s so we've only looked at a few solar cycles mm -hmm. so we don't have enough statistics and that's why we do a lot of climate modeling to really understand over a long period of time how that would impact the earth questions so just going back to the climate models just by inputting the physics of of uh in, into the model to figure out how how the yeah you can how the climate will vary and everything yeah you can input the the total solar radiance and also the spectral solar radiance so how the sun varies at individual wavelengths mm -hmm. say like the ultraviolet the near infrared the far infrared the visible um and then you put that into the model say run it for 100 years or 200 years and get enough statistics built up to where you can do compositing solar max years say minus solar min years and then kind of understand how the atmosphere responds right we see the largest signal in the upper stratosphere which is the upper atmosphere um, over the tropics mm -hmm. where the sun is most intense oh, makes okay. sense then so biggest temperature changes and things like that that's right yeah yeah it changes by about a half degree to one kelvin or okay so one kelvin would be roughly one degree celsius and so not roughly would be exactly <laughs> one exactly yeah. so it'd be a little bit over yeah. one degree fahrenheit yeah maybe between one and two degrees fahrenheit. it's 1.8 mm -hmm. actually it's like every 10 degrees celsius is 18 degrees fahrenheit so 1.8 <laughs> so it's pretty large in the upper it's pretty mm. large in the upper atmosphere but Mm -hmm. The always the always hard part is to how that propagates down to the surface, and that's always been the hard part. So, take a step back, okay, <laughs> and say so. I read this article, at least the news version of this article, and it was saying that basically this lady came up with this some kind of new like model. Yeah. That basically she used, and she was able to explain the 11-year solar cycle with this model. And because she did so well, her model did that, like, 99% perfectly explaining this cycle. Now she she has, like, the credibility to extrapolate this to 2030. Yeah, that's probably where a lot of the people are questioning. I mean, how, it's how... not the most simple thing in the world, right? Like, no, solar it's... heliophysics... I think, well, I think what we're learning from the previous solar min, which was 
pretty interesting um, is that we probably don't know as much of the sun, probably don't know as much about the sun as we thought we did. Like there's a lot of stuff we're learning about the interior of the sun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, it's that's... probably nonlinear just as the atmosphere is. Right, exactly. There's no, we don't have any observations from the middle of the sun. That's very no. true. <laughs> and you really can't do it because it's so hot. <laughs> we never will. <laughs> Who knows? But... Maybe one day we'll figure out a way, but... But yeah, I mean, I don't think anyone... <laughs> yeah, there's been a few mm. other studies, you know, a few years ago predicting that the sun will go into a very inactive phase. But in my opinion, I don't think anyone really knows what the sun's going to do because we just don't know. I mean, we need to know more about what, what's going on in the interior of the sun and how that connects with the magnetic field and all these things. Mm-hmm. I, but, I'd say anybody could train a model to match observations. Yeah. I mean, I think. I know that from a model. Yeah. <laughs> I've done some stuff like that. I know you can do anything. You can match it up with observations. Just tweak enough parameters. <laughs> exactly. Use, a tr- use it as a training data set. I don't know. But, but, but it yeah. sounds interesting. It was a, yeah, it was an interesting study. And I think it just points out that it's a very interesting time to investigate the sun and try to... Um, pin down better how the sun impacts the climate which is we're starting to understand more about that but just need a little bit more research Mm -hmm. but going along those same lines um since there's probably been the media probably hypes up this research paper and saying oh there's gonna be another ice age or something (laughs) Um, (laughs) yeah that's 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 exactly what i've heard (laughs) yeah there's there was a study done by mammoths are coming back (laughs) There was a study done by Meal and co-authors, um, I think 2014. Um, I only know this because I cited it in my thesis, but um, they basically did a long-term climate simulation, <laughs> and they ran the simulation for, say, 50 years where they had actually reduced output, so a, a period similar to like the modern minimum, and they wanted to investigate, okay, how would that impact the climate okay so they ran it and they actually did find large regional cooling in parts of the globe but they found out it wasn't able to kind of offset the warming that we're seeing for projected um, greenhouse gas increases Um, so that's just kind of interesting study yeah that you know if we want to investigate how a long period of inactivity would potentially impact the climate it would be to run these climate simulations but again models are also not perfect as well so yeah i'm skeptical yeah (laughs) i mean this is only gonna last like five or ten years right this period of inactivity yeah right like one cycle yeah yeah of course i mean or one part of a cycle if it was to be a modern minimum then it would be you know maybe potentially longer but I don't think anyone can actually predict a but the modern mon- minimum. Was the modern minimum actually proven to be related to the sun? No, I don't think so. Hmm. They happen at the same time, but I don't think anyone's conclusively oh, been able too, to. Yeah, as you're saying. Yeah, I don't think anyone's conclusively been able to connect the two. <laughs> but I mean, 
Yeah, there's a variety of theories out there. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. And there's heated debates on both sides. Of course, so. as there always will be. <laughs> well, we got the expert solar, solar expert opinion from Andy Cran. Yeah. That's just my opinion. I'm Amen. not an expert. <laughs> <laughs> You're more of an expert than I am. <laughs> far as this, this kind of reminds me of back in the, in the early 2000s, or maybe it was middle 2000s as mm-hmm. well, whenever... Whenever there were there were concerns over the Gulf Stream, basically, basically shutting down altogether due to the fact that there, due to the fact that uh, um, the dense the density differences in the water weren't consistent throughout throughout the the Gulf Stream current that what for those of you who don't know flows from the uh, from the uh, the Gulf of Mexico and the uh, the Southern Atlantic Ocean, the Northern Hemisphere, all the way up to near to near Greenland and um, mm-hmm. Western Europe, and there there were thoughts at that time that this that the Gulf Stream would basically shut down from being able to transport the warmer waters to the south northward, which would essentially cause a an ice age in much of the northern hemisphere and that's, still a, so, that's still a theory though it's still a thought but it's still an active area of investigation it, it 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 is but if you if you look if you look at the gulf stream closely and and look at you know how the current is fluctuating what you know where where eddies where eddies are forming and how how what the northern extent of the gulf stream current is there, there isn't that much of a change even over the past 15 to 20 years. I mean, there is a little bit of a change. I mean, everything and, I see is really long time scales. Yeah. Like, over centuries, hmm. this could happen. Yeah. I didn't hear anything about, like, over a decade. Right. I mean, it... <laughs> I mean, and, and it's kind of, And again, it's, yeah. kind, it's kind of an issue where, you know, where Andy alluded to. We just... We don't have enough information... To definitively say this is going to happen, it is certainly a theory. Yes, to this day, it was a it was an elevated theory. I, I would say back in the you know between two thousand two thousand ten, yeah. and since and since then, it's kind of lost a little bit of heat and a little bit of mojo since then. Mm-hmm. But uh, but <laughs> yeah, I don't think to, to take a reference from Austin Powers, but <laughs> I still think it's valid. I don't think I heard of that theory. I heard about the. Atlantic Mariano overturning circulation. It's the same thing. Oh, is that the same thing? I oh, think. Okay. Okay. So it's basically it's basically it. a sh- what what would happen is you would have uh, the the heat the heating differences from uh, from the southern the the I mean the lower latitudes in the northern hemisphere and the higher latitudes in the northern hemisphere would cause such would produce such a major density difference in the oceans where basically the the north the higher latitudes would would uh essentially produce more melting of ice of ice and glaciers off mm-hmm. of greenland which would essentially melt into the atlantic uh, the arctic ocean yep. and would would produce more fresh water mm-hmm. and less salt water which would mean that the density of the water up there is decreasing, yeah. whereas the waters in 
the and the lower latitudes would would uh, would hence have more eva would have more evaporation, but would contain more salt, and the and thus water that is more that is that is saltier or contains higher salinity is more dense by definition than than fresh water is and though and so basically those density differences in theory would produce a shutdown in the thermohaline circulation or this overturning circulation which is also considered a conveyor belt yeah it'd be like that, shutting down the whole world's yeah. winds yeah exactly so base so basically you have just like in the atmosphere cold water sinks because it's more dense warm water rises because it's less dense same thing with the salt content, the mm -hmm. amount of salinity. <clears throat> These two things mix together, and what's what's made the thermohaline circulation succeed all this time is because is that you have this density balance between the amount of fresh water and the amount of salt water, and how warm and how cold that water is, which basically keeps this conveyor belt going where warm water is transported to the north and cold water is transported to the south. Well, if the, the theory is that more heating would, uh, uh, you know, essentially shut down this thermohaline circulation. Hmm. It hasn't quite, it hasn't confirmed, and who knows if it ever will. Yeah, but, I mean, it's been modeled Yeah, significantly, but other than that, you can't really say much. Right. Other than it would take... Presumably centuries. Yes, I mean before this would happen. I don't think. And then even after that, it would take even longer. Before yeah, you'd recognize the heat. <laughs> yeah, because that that current moves centimeters right per well, second or centimeters per day or something. Yeah, and it's not something that it would we take can thousand uh, years. <laughs> we can't make any again something that we can't make any conclusions on. Well, it's so, something for the future. Something for the future. Very interesting. Though. Yeah, I don't know. It was a pretty hot topic. Because, you know, I was doing Greenland research and part of that was the melting ice and mm -hmm. how much of Greenland's ending up in our oceans. Right. <laughs> and how's that going to affect everything? So that was kind of a big part of my research. Yeah. But I didn't focus too much on it. <laughs> but I still think it's an active topic that's something to be concerned about. <laughs> Just like anything else. Yeah. Anything else in space research and Earth long-term <laughs> research. Yeah. Hundreds, thousands of years out. Yeah. Millions. <laughs> yeah, like Pluto. That's all over the news. Oh, Pluto. Poor Pluto. <laughs> Literally the most irrelevant thing we could take pictures of. <laughs> something, what, three billion miles away or something? Something ridiculous. <laughs> it's not even a planet anymore, so... That's true. Poor Pluto. Yeah. It's not even a planet. So Mercury, we shouldn't even be naming it, right? Mercury, Venus, Earth, Mars, Jupiter, Saturn... Uranus, Neptune, Pluto. I yeah. still count. I still count it. Yeah, I, I have to count. <laughs> I remember the. I remember the. the What's the, the saying? The made-up solar system, I had back in third grade. What it was it? Pluto. It had Pluto. Oh yeah. What's that saying the kids have? Oh, I don't know. It's like MVE, my very. Oh yeah, yeah. Especially oh, I remember that. Yeah. Mother or something. Yeah. Oh my man. very. Extreme. No. Was it mother? I will look it up. I don't know. Extravagant <laughs> mother? My very extravagant mother just said... <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I just... I don't know. I always just memorized the planet's order. I don't never, I never had a thing for it. 
Yeah, I just memorized it. I don't know, but it's real pretty easy. I mean, there's four planets, you know their order, <laughs> and then there's four more or five more planets after that. What's the word, Matt? I'm gonna find. Oh wait, there's a bunch of them. Oh, but yeah, mine. <laughs> I'll, I'll just give my you very a, something. I'll give you a list of them. There, there's a bunch of them. My very eager mother just served us nachos. <laughs> <laughs> that was a mine. That's the one for of maybe. Of course, that's not including Pluto. That's for Arizona so. or New Mexico. Yeah. <laughs> this, yeah, none of these include Pluto anymore. They, they need to. Oh wait. Oh, I know this one. My very educated mother just served us nine pizzas. I haven't heard that one. Yeah. I think it was educated mother. Just, and then they just kind of they probably branch just, off, they branch off into different whatever the local cuisine is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like Alabama's like just served us fried chicken. <laughs> 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 or I don't know what else they have there. Okra. Well, <laughs> yeah, okra is a big one. <laughs> that fried, could, fried shrimp. Let's see. Uh, There's no plants with oak. <laughs> what? Do you remember the uh, the coordinates like north, south, east, and west? At least in St. Louis, it was never eat shredded wheat. <laughs> oh, nice. Wow, I never heard of that. I never, yeah, I never had anything. I never had that. an acronym yeah. for the compass. <laughs> no. Man, they must be dumb in St. Louis. It's <laughs> <laughs> kidding. No, but wow, that's crazy. Cool. Nice. Oh, yeah, that was a good solar paper, solar talk you had. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Interesting talk. So Definitely. It's only 15 years away. We might be in a little ice age. Yeah. yeah, just, just it just proves once again how much uncertainty there is on our planet and in our universe. So think about how many like expert mathematicians we have cracking away at these type of things. That's right, and we you can't even really get anywhere. Yeah, yeah. it's just beyond like the human capacity. That's right, at least for now. Yeah, just like anything in science. Yeah, that's pretty true. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. So. Anything else we have to discuss? That's all I had for my my talk. Yeah, I don't, hopefully I'll have something next week interesting to discuss with everyone. Yeah, so Joseph will be back hopefully. Joseph will be back. Tell let's us hope his, he'll join us. Give us some of his Chinese and Hong Kong shenanigans. He'll have to let us know about the time zones and why they are the way they are. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Good deal. I guess we'll sign off here. Yep. Well, I'll bid you adieu. Yep. <laughs> adieu for Mandy, and I'll catch you guys next week. Watch out for those showers and thunderstorms, especially if you're hiking up a 14er. Oh, yeah. Stay dry in the monsoon season. Yeah. Take care, guys. See you next week.